We've got um, other startup stories that might be for another day. <laughs> yeah, when you say the word startup, we actually we had a real startup. we had a startup fairly recently. So yeah. it's okay, dude, you started, can't open that it, can it, without diving in. And open that can they do? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode seventy-one, part two of my interview with Burger and Fair. That's Todd Burger and Lucian Fair. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one yet, head back one episode and listen there. The stories that they tell us about how they started their studio, the struggles that they faced, how they met, all of that kind of stuff leads up to this episode. So what you just heard was the teaser of where we ended the last episode. Todd and Lucian were just about to dive into the story of the startup that they were a part of called Ello. It was a community for artists and the challenges involved with that and what they went through to start that and where it is now. It's a crazy ride that they just recently hopped off of. So we talk a bit about starting the studio up again after that and the struggles involved with that, hustling and building that up again. We also talk about the project that was the biggest struggle for them, the individual project, and it was a identity project they did for the state of Colorado. Um, I'm not going to get into that story. I'm going to let them tell it, but it is an interesting one. So even more surprising, though, is that that same project is the project that they are the most proud of, and they explain the reasons why with that. Right at the end of this episode, we get into a little bit about their partnership and some of the you know partnership struggles that they might have had, and there isn't very many, but they talk about micro fights. Yeah, we do. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. Part two of my interview with Todd Berger and Lucian Fair. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? We've got um, other startup stories that might be for another day. <laughs> yeah, when you say the word startup, we actually... We had a real startup. We had a startup fairly recently so yeah. it's okay dude, you can't started, open that it, can without diving in yeah that we started in the studio so that's maybe for later well i'm gonna make you dive into that right now actually if you're all right with it sure about six years ago now 2013 2012 we sort of had the idea yeah we sort of accidentally made a startup we had a client paul budnitz we had done a bunch of work with and always did good work and decided we want to do something together. Paul was the founder of Kid Robot, and then he founded a bicycle company that we helped him figure out how to dial in. Cool. So we would just have lunch and talk about what is a potential project we could do together as partners instead of a client designer relationship. We ended up settling on a network specifically built for designers to share their work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by and large, is a response to Facebook, Twitter, Google, everything that was happening at the time around data collection and advertising. And we just felt like there should be a cool place on the internet by artists, for artists, where creative people could share ideas and work that wasn't based on, you know, algorithmic filtering, data collection, and having ads sort mm -hmm. of throughout. 
Yeah, so we started Ello, E-L-L-O. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, okay. Yeah, and we ran that. Uh, it was a pretty wild ride for about five years. We're fairly recently out of it and back to the studio. So we're actually in kind of a restart, rebirth um, phase right now because we literally had zero client projects for five years. We had to fire all our clients, mm-hmm. put the studio completely on hold. Eventually, Todd became CEO of Ello, and I was running product. And Which it, gets into another question of yours, because that marked the sort of the low point in my creative career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting, right? We, we conceived this thing, created it. Uh, the beginning of it was super exciting, super pure, 100% authentic. We built a lot of digital products, worked with lots of startups. We felt like we knew how to do this. We got a lot of momentum. People were stoked. And then investors got interested and there was pressure to do all these other things. The CEO at the time got maybe a little overzealous about making lots and lots of money and turning it into a crazier thing than we ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And it kind of got out of control real fast. Um, and then we were and then we were just kind of holding on, trying to steer it as best possible back to its original kind of the real place we wanted it to live in. And mm-hmm. It was it was tricky that that fast paced real startup ecosystem. Once there's VC money in there and uh, there's a lot of press and there's a lot of attention and you're not necessarily meeting expectations per the media, per your investors, et cetera, et cetera. Things that could get be heavy. Things get pretty heavy. Yeah. So um, we were in that for a while and slowly navigated our way back to the studio. So that org uh, still exists. Company was sold. New entity owns it. Uh, seems like they're trying to do the right thing with it. And it was time for us to get back to uh, to, to imagining starting again and just des- designing every day and making art. I mean, the worst part of that was we built a network for artists. And because we were so intertwined and trying to see it succeed and maintaining it that we weren't making any art they forgot or, to be artists or by and large we didn't forget we were pissed that we couldn't we just couldn't be we had too many responsibilities which was the unfortunate uh sort of uh function of our own doing you know mm. god yeah so you're definitely moving on to the next question that i really want to get into is um the most challenging time in your career so far so you had mentioned know being stuck in you know feeling stuck i guess trying to build something um and having to walk away from what you were really excited about to do that um how did you get through it did you just power through put your head down keep going until you saw an opportunity for light at the end or i don't really know it was hard we definitely (laughs) powered through it it was hard on our relationship too Uh Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, well, Todd had a worse time of it for sure because he literally didn't get to open design software for Yeah, I didn't years. design anything for almost two years. Wow. I mean, I drew things and sketched things and like, but so that was the only time in 17 plus years where we totally diverged. Um, and I was just doing business stuff, raising money, board meetings, mm-hmm. trying to manage a team. I think 55 at one point. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so when you're just like an art and design guy and you want to be making stuff, that's mm-hmm. fucking brutal. Uh, and there's people that are totally cut out for that. Right. Mm-hmm. But not me per se. So now that it, it, it's, it's sold, right. And you guys are out of that. Yeah. Um, do you feel that the sale of the company justified the time and effort and blood and sweat? No, you no. It? Frank, frankly, it wasn't like a lucrative 
exit. It was more of a, let's carry this thing on. Someone wants it. Um, and it wasn't about that for us. Like mm -hmm. had it been something different, who, who knows what we'd be doing now. Yeah. Um, but the, the experience by and large was justified. It just, by the nature of taking money in and building a company and a lot of pressure and responsibility, it went on longer and mm -hmm. turned into a bumpier, grindier thing, I think, than we wish it would have. Crazy. So, Lucian, um, I want to direct that question to you then about the most challenging time in your design career so far. Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Yeah, it's funny. When we were first going through the questions, I almost blocked that phase out. I didn't even consider that as part of the career. <laughs> yeah. So I just skipped that. And when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, no, that is part of the career. So it's a chapter. Yeah, similar. You know, coming from, like Todd said, at one point, the studio before this, we had grown to maybe 10 plus people. Um, and then we had come down to two very purposely. So it's just us. Sometimes mm -hmm. we have assistants. We have an assistant designer right now, Nick, sitting across the studio. What's up, Nick? So the hardest part was, uh, you know, the people, managing people, you know, working with the team that's writing the code to build the thing and just, and doing the same thing day in, day out. Whereas typically when you have clients, sort of the beauty of it is you get to engage with a whole new company, a whole new set of challenges, get in there, and then move on to whatever's next. Mm -hmm. Now we were just iterating and improving for well, five coupled years. Coupled with the realization that we were, our aesthetic tendencies, mind Lucian's were growing closer and closer and closer, and we have a unique way of working together in which either one of us can lead and the other one kind of gets on board, and all of our work ends up looking and feeling a certain way that we like. Mm -hmm. That's that's like our aesthetic, that's our style. It's not totally defined. We could break it down and tell you what it's made of, but we realized that having more people in the fold, like that style, that aesthetic, that collective output of our work was getting more mm -hmm. diluted. And that was like, sure, you can make more money with more people, but you can't make the same caliber of work. You can make multiple good calibers of work, but you can't consistently funnel it all into one like systematic focused aesthetic and body. Mm -hmm. And when we realized that, we sort of changed things and focused on, well, how do we do that? Cause we want to make our design work. We want to make our artwork. The two should overlap and interrelate. Uh, and we want it all coming from us. It wouldn't be authentic if there was a bunch of other people doing it just loosely under our direction. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, uh, getting to where Lucian went, how things kind of evolved. Man, I'm feeling the pain for you guys going through that process. That was it. You know, that was that time I, in hindsight, it was painful, but we let everyone like off easy. Like it was mm -hmm. like big project would end and it's like, Hey, you know, sadly we can't keep you around. We're not going to be pursuing work like this, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it sucked hiring and firing. I think suck equally. Yeah. Uh, um, obviously firing worse, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, kind of got through it. Got it. Whew, okay. Um, I want to now go to a specific design or project that you guys have been a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Yeah, so collectively we put down the identity for the state of Colorado, which okay. is where we're in. We were part of an assembled group of designers all working towards a new state identity. 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of talked was, about like a collective effort. I think this is 2013. But it more ended up with people presenting their solution and more of a competition. Uh, less so collaborative. Got to the, the final three, if you will. Two. And the, right, the final two. And the, sort of pitted against a friend who's uh, admired yep. and, you know, we like one another. We're still friends. And the governor was going to make the decision. We felt good about it, but he backed out of making the decision and put it up to a public vote. Like a statewide public committee between these two systems that we've been honing in on for months. Okay, so when you hear about that, that all of a sudden it's going from one guy's decision, a representative of a group, to now all of a sudden a gigantic group decision. Yeah, we were pretty certain our solution was going to get fucking hammered. We've been been through through shit like this before, you know? So we were like, oh boy. Like initially... I was actually going to get to present on our behalf to Hickenloop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in that case, I was like, we have a good shot because I'm actually good at that part. Yeah. We're particularly good at it together, but it was only going to be one of us. So I was like, okay, I can, I can make this case on behalf of Colorado. Like, we know what we're talking about here. The work's good. Um, but yeah, then that happened. So it went up to committee and like we lost by some percentage. They wanted the other system. But then the other designer, they didn't think, necessarily had every all the right skills to like roll it out systematically at the Mm -hmm. state level and and from a brand management perspective so they're like oh we want you to collaborate but not just collaborate like take some of the elements of your stuff and merge them with his stuff and we were like "Uh uh-uh it just it was a bad they were just trying to mush too much shit together and we were like you know we're just gonna walk away from this one at this point so i think we upset some people um the solution that was selected how it rolled out in our opinion was suboptimal at best Mm -hmm. and then coincidentally we got a new governor who's largely pretty fucking cool but he just dropped some new logo out of the blue like (laughs) two months ago that's more whack than you know uh he just goes my my nephew through this together so yeah let's roll with it so we'll see what happens i have a feeling that the new one that just got released may go nowhere because i think there was kind of a backlash to it and you know how this like if you a state identity system a state rollout it's a multi-year close to a decade process right Mm -hmm. every institution every organization vehicles clothing i mean it just signage it's crazy right so they aren't even fully done with rolling out the identity that was selected, I think, eventually in 2014. Now it's 2019. Now a new one's getting introduced. So oh, once that man. narrative gets to the taxpayer and people understand how all this stuff works, I think they get a little pissed about states messing around with new identities and, mm-hmm. and you know, pol- politicians leveraging graphic design to take a stance. But at the time we were working on the project, it was pretty genuine and pretty pure and the state didn't have an identity and needed one. And so it was, it was a bummer. Crazy. So what, what's the lesson in all of that? Um, you know, cause it's not like you could have spotted that red flag decision change early in the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of our, I, I think we haven't talked about this, but when it comes to doing like larger works at the public scale, it's like, try to be patient, but like take every opportunity to talk to the decision makers. Like mm-hmm. don't, Try to be involved in it as much decision making as you can. And had we had some way to persuade them into realizing that this like design by committee wasn't the best way to do this, mm-hmm. 
that having a decision maker, a small team of stakeholders would be. But, you know, politicians are looking at the numbers and everyone's looking at the data now. So if the most people say they like this thing, we should do that thing because someone needs to get reelected and other people need to get reelected. And there's a whole agenda associated there. So and we were pretty involved. But by that point, we were kind of cracking a little Mm. bit. Um, and I think it's like anything, you got to see it through. And, and I mean, I think, I think there may have been a chance where I had a shot to make a case to the governor in an mm-hmm. impromptu way and, and, and perhaps didn't take it. I mean, that's, that's six plus years ago now, but I don't know any other lessons that come to mind for you. Yeah. I don't know how, if we got to play that all over again, what we would do differently. I think, yeah, basically what Todd's saying, try to try to steal control or exert our influence <laughs> yeah, instead of just going along I, with know, it. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. And sometimes you got to jam yourself in there and try to make a stand, but just like do it delicately room. and do it like empathically and thoughtfully. And, uh, and you know, you make your case and if you make it well, sometimes things go your way. And if you blow it, you blow it, mm-hmm. but you might've been blowing it anyways because someone else was making the decision, you know? Totally. Oh, well said guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to know what is something that you guys are struggling with in your design career right now? Um, yeah, it's interesting. So we're 11 months back mm-hmm. uh, um, out of startup land, right? Yep. Um, I feel like we're doing great work. Um, frankly, regionally, some of the best. Um, I, we're at the top of our game. I I just feel like the work's really good. We have a fuckload of experience, mm-hmm. mildly. And uh, design, I think, in the five years we were gone, building product, running another company has just been so commodified. There's designers everywhere. There's platforms everywhere. And I'm using design, the, the little, the lowercase design loosely, because everyone's a freaking designer, but not really, right? Mm-hmm. I, For sure. You can build a site in Squarespace, you can open up Sketch, you can figure out how to use Figma or, you know, uh, in a year, in two years, in three years. But like, until you've been on press a couple hundred times and built a couple hundred websites and 50 to 80 apps Mm -hmm. and designed 200 identities plus, I mean, there's a different caliber of designer, right? Uh, and the trials and tribulations you go through to get that work done on behalf of your clients, um, and their goals and and their visions and their ideas and the, and the work you do along the way on behalf of yourself or your own studio, like that adds up and there's real value there. And I would say right now, the only folks willing to pay for that are either super big corporate companies, which is really interesting to me because technically the economy in our country right now is booming, even though Mm -hmm. everyone's during a recession, right? Super big corporate types or, or really sort of, I hate to say it's stereotypical startups. And like that experience is all the same every time the startup experience and the corporate experience is kind of all the same every time. In both cases, most of the work gets pretty heavily diluted, uh, out of fears or concerns about X, Y, Z. Right. And so we're looking for, certain clients that appreciate our experience, our skill set, our thinking, our approach, and that are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's hard right now. I think harder than ever in a lot of ways. Um, and can appreciate the fact that we're making art too and we take this artistic practices approach and we have one foot in the art world, one foot in the design world. So we're positioned in a unique way and, and 
we're busy and, and we have some good clients, but we don't just have a roster of great clients right now. We have in the past and we want to get back there. So mm-hmm. I think figuring out how to find our way there and then new, new, new economy, whatever it's becoming, um, is tricky. And again, we're doing okay. And, you know, we literally got the company sold, went along for the ride to try to make sure the buyers did the right thing. Four months later, a little less, got fired. No severance. Same day, started the studio back up. Yeah. So that was eleven months ago, mm-hmm. um, and we've been cranking and we've been busy and we're making a lot of art, so it's all good. But we'd like to get back to this place where we're in true collaboration with our clients. Yes. And they respect us, and we respect them, and they're. We want to be in very mutually beneficial relationships. And we want to be financially rewarded for the value we bring to our clients. Definitely. So the struggle is trying to find that burger and fair premium client. Yeah, find, to find, find, to find the – and it's not necessarily pre- – it doesn't – premium maybe. But I mean just – you know, like when I buy something, like I, if I'm buying something inexpensive, I have a general understanding of the quality of that thing to justify the price, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm buying something more expensive, I have a general understanding of the value of that thing based on the time, energy, design, manufacturing, shipping, blah, blah, blah. And I totally sure. understand why I'm paying for that thing. So, yeah, yeah find the people that appreciate the process mm-hmm. and, you know, the creative manufacturing that goes into the work. Uh, I think that's our that's our challenge right now. And we're mm-hmm. kind of navigating it. Do you want to have anything to add to that? Yeah, I thought that and I think a lot of things changed. And as you would imagine, the five years, we didn't do any client work. And we wish we could slow down and very thoughtfully consider how we want to present work this time around, write our contracts, everything like that. But we had mm-hmm. to hit the ground running. So it's kind of like we're trying to pay the bills, but also evolve our practice from something that was kind of stagnant for five years and we're trying to roll that ball forward real fast. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. So, it'll, you know, I think it, rather than taking maybe a year, it'll take two to yep. find time to dial everything in exactly how we want, present everything exactly how we want, rebuild relationships, make new relationships. Um, and, you know, five years in the creative world is a long time. I mean, our, our clients moved on. They're working with other people and as they, as they should. And some yeah, of them definitely. are great. Uh, but to highlight the commodification point, right, like prices are totally being driven down because there's designers everywhere. So even if you look at like regionally, it's like, oh, Burger and Fair are really good. And we're not even at the top of the price point. I think there's firms that that do far lower caliber work than us, but are somehow have become well known over the last four or five years and they charge a lot more. Mm-hmm. So we're, tr- we're trying to figure out our sweet spot, right? But it, But it was either like, Oh yeah, those guys were really good five years ago, and then they went and did some other thing. Or yeah. oh, we haven't even heard about them because it's younger folks, and we haven't we were out of practice for five years. So, but then there's the like, ooh, I think they might be expensive, and there's some twenty three year old kid that designs logos. So let's yeah. let's use him, you know. Definitely, definitely a struggle and a battle. Um, I'm gonna is shift- that something? Is that something you hear? From other folks you interview, I mean, um, I mean, yours is a little bit unique, obviously, because you've got a different story for the last uh, five years, right? But you know, it's always a, a struggle that firms go through trying to find their, you know, 
they're you know I say the word premium, but I really mean that the sort of that the quality. client the quality you know the best marriage between um, you know designer and client where both understand the value that each other brings and they appreciate your particular aesthetic your particular style um, you know the the particular things that make your company and your designs unique. And, and finding that client. There's clients that you can get that appreciate design and understand it, but you have a particular style and flavor to the art, to the design. You have a unique mix. So finding the client that appreciates that quality, that I can understand. Yeah, good summary. So tell us about a project then, and I'm going to shift gears to the happy side right now. Um, tell us a project that you've been a part of that you guys are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. So I also put Colorado down. So although we lost in mm-hmm. the end, we put up a case study site that's still up, and I think it was a great opportunity for us to highlight our process and thoroughness and taking, you know, basically from the very inception, the base geometry mm-hmm. of the logo and rolling that out at such a degree and at such a large scale to license plates, uh, driver's license, road signs, all that stuff. So I think it really set us up to showcase that mm-hmm. even didn't come to fruition. Oh man, that's so uh, you know surprising, but also encouraging that you said that because, you know, yes, it, it can't go in the column of one of the biggest wins you guys have ever had but just the value and lessons in the process have been yeah, what I think really some makes of the, speak to it. Our greatest learnings have come through failure for sure. And I know that sounds cliche too, but when you nail it all, like you don't know exactly what happened, right? Mm-hmm. When it all gets effed up, you sort of can figure out what went down and you're like, well, we're not going to do that, 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 <laughs> and that again, particularly yeah. not in that order, yeah. you know? Um, so, but we've got some really exciting shit happening right now. I mean, that last body of artwork we made that we just hung last Friday, we're super stoked on. We've mm-hmm. got a, a smaller exhibition of art at the Denver Art Museum coming up later in late August, uh, followed by another local exhibition in September. All And that's like, we've got a new body of artwork we're in that's kind of evolving in a really exciting way. So that's cool. Psyched on that. And then we're getting ready to drop a new CBD company that we partnered up with someone on. Oh, uh, cool. So from a design, brand, product perspective, that's going to be super cool and I think could turn into kind of new highlight we'll see man that's awesome those are great ones, guys um i want to then ask you and, and you can answer separately or together on this one but what is one uh design product tool website or a community that you just can't live without yeah for me adobe illustrator like yeah. if i was forced into using uh an alternative product for drawing identities i think it'd be a real struggle mm-hmm illustrator answer for both or Todd you got something else no I mean it was uh I mean my design product and like this sounds silly is like my imagination right I mean like I feel like tools are like tools come with manuals and you can learn how to use them but like ideas kind of come out of nowhere life experiences and like personal vision so, um, you know, but it, if I was going to get even simpler, it's kind of like pen and pencil, but the ability to ideate and then just notate. Right. Um, but my 
creative process, like particularly on my bike, uh, riding up in the mountains. I live up in the mountains, and so I ride a lot at the end of the day solo. And that just being able to imagine what things could be is mm. like that's my favorite tool. So do you find that very sort of clearing and inspiring, and maybe even um, you know would help you through creative blocks if you were stuck on something? Always inspiring. I hate saying this because I always feel like we're gonna get jinxed, and I just think this is an advantage of being a duo. But like we don't have creative blocks, right? We struggle awesome. with the right concept. And I, I, I think that's by and large, like when your lifestyle becomes one of art and design and creativity, it's like you have better days and you have worse, worse days, but there's not creative block. But to, to get on the bike thing, like it's not clarity because usually I have too many fucking ideas once I'm in the flow. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to focus and, and chunk them up, but it is a great way to process. And there's something about moving your body physically through space as a creative person that brings ideas in. Um, and so I don't know. I, I like that. Awesome. Guys, we're at the part of the show where I've got an ask it forward question. So my last guest uh, was another Todd, Todd Demling. He is a illustrator and design director at Ultra Creative in Minnesota. Cool. And uh, he's actually the guy behind, you know, Lucky Charms and the Tricks Rabbit. And he does a lot of cereal box illustrations. No way. Like, yeah, for real. Wow. Um, like the original, those characters. Uh, yeah, the, he illustrates those characters on for General Mills for, for those companies. Cool. Good for him. That sounds like fun. So um, he wanted to ask, knowing that I'd be interviewing a duo next. And I really like his question because we have a number of duo listeners that uh, I want to, you know, I really want to hear this. Um, what has been your biggest career disagreement or fight, for lack of a better term? Oh, man. I'm the biggest. I feel like, can you? I mean, I can't pin down the biggest because we have like micro fights probably every day. And I, but I feel like <laughs> not, micro fights. none of them, I don't think any fight has ever escalated. Yeah. It can be from I like the interior bowl of this lowercase a versus I like this a to like, no, we should present the work like this. And it escalates to like a super pretty moderate level. Normally it just takes one of us taking a walk or eating mm -hmm. a cookie and then <laughs> it's all good. I don't think anything, I can't think of one thing that's like blown it up beyond anything mundane. Well, try to think about the most pissed at me you've ever been. I can't really think about it, but you know, we, we came to an agreement kind of 10-ish years ago that was like, just in general, best idea wins based on like presentation. So like mm -hmm. if we're just butting heads, it's like, and it can be frustrating when you're pissed at someone and you're arguing, right? But it's like, okay, man, make your case as objectively as possible. Mm -hmm. And if like your case is more rational, more logical, and sort of creatively more on target than mine, I will yield and vice versa. Yeah. So eventually, if one of us gets frustrated, we yield based on that sort of overarching premise but let's try to I, I wish we had something good it's a good question uh, <laughs> yeah i mean part of why you know 17 years man it's a long time like yeah. we don't fight like we fight with our partners at home yeah so like part of why this relationship works is because it's really easy and inspiring and fun and mm -hmm. if it wasn't like that it wouldn't we wouldn't be going on 18 years yeah. 
doing so, this all. So day. nobody's throwing a mouse, a book at the other, a keyboard. You uh, may have thrown something at me once, but I <laughs> typically he's, he's got the worst temper in, in moments of anger. But yeah, I'm pretty mellow for my whole life, and I definitely, if I've yelled at anyone, it's Todd that I yell at. Yeah, but it's normally because I'm hungry. Yeah, but I think to his, to his point, and maybe the answer to the question is there's like, yeah, there's lots of these little like micro fights. They mm-hmm. happen all day, every day. Um, but it's just sort of baked into our process. And I'd like to think it's all rooted in getting to a better place yeah. through the work. Um, so we get used to it. So and, micro, uh, micro arguments, you could say, are the key to doing great work. <laughs> but yeah. the macro arguments are a waste of time and you've got a process to work through it. Yeah, totally. And nothing like there's not much at the macro level because at the macro mm-hmm. level, we're generally in agreement about all things. Mm-hmm. You know. Good. That's good to hear, man. Um, ask it forward question. What do you got? Okay. Um, so whoever's next, what are you genuinely doing in your practice to improve the human condition? How, however you see it, right? Yep. But uh, yeah, that's it. Well said. I'm going to ask them. Cool, man. Awesome. Guys, um, you made it to the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you made it to the end, Dave. Yeah, for sure, man. My first duo podcast, and I think it went solid. So I I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for for taking some time out of your busy day and investing that with, uh, with the quickie here. Yeah, Dave, you bet, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes over the weekend, episode 71, part one and part two. Such a great interview with a couple of amazing creative guys, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad you could be a part of it. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. See ya.